What's up, Jenny? You know what? What's up? We've done this before. And we, <laughs> we had, we've had, we had this grand entrance and this beautiful whatever. And then it was a little crazy, but then awesome. And then, but here's the thing. We did a whole hour of a broadcast without recording it. And guess whose fault that is? Because I didn't double check and I could blame not having a producer or any of those things, but I've been doing it for four years by myself. You think I would know these things, but somehow I did it. So even though uh, we've already talked before, the audience hasn't heard this conversation, but here's the thing that you don't know. Okay. I don't do the same interview twice. Yeah, I kind of, you didn't have any notes, <laughs> so I figured it was going to be kind of, yeah, that's totally cool. And so whatever mood I'm in, this usually will dictate the questions. And I'm in an interesting mood today. So this could get a little bit crazy. All right. You're not like beholden to any like censorship rules or anything, are you? I'm not. Just kidding. I'm not going <laughs> to. We're not going to do anything too crazy, but I am seriously excited to have you back. The fact that you even said yes, because I was sweating mm -hmm. bullets. I'm like, surely there's a way to fix this problem. I tried for two days and then I finally go, Jenny, I'm a dope, you know. So thank you for understanding. Of course. Totally fine. I want to, first of all, today, because today is a new day, I would like to know. What are you grateful for today and why? Mm. I am grateful for, in my personal life, I am kind of beginning a step-parent adventure, Ooh. which I've, I've been a step-parent before, um, So, but this is a new family. And I just feel really grateful, and I've expressed this to my boyfriend, I just feel really grateful that he is willing to bring me into his life and share it with his most prized things on the planet with me. So I just feel really grateful for that. And then I, I also feel grateful that I'm, that I have the capacity to do that. You know, this is, I'm, I'm getting a little older. I'm not like, you know, start a new family, you know, kind of age, mm -hmm. but, but yeah, now I've got a, a two-year-old and a six-year-old clinging to me half of, half of every week. And that's pretty cool. Wow. Now, how long have you all been together? We've been together for several months and we were friends before that. Kids though, so he's French. The mom, their mom was just in France on a long sabbatical. They were with her. So it's been many months since they've been back and they just got back three weeks ago. So we've just been kind of meeting each other over the last three weeks. And yeah, and I'm spending nights for the first time with dads and stuff like that. So. So what was it like when you first met? I mean, was it awkward? Where did you, did you have any, anything left over from the last time that you were kind of a stepmom that, yeah. that maybe altered the, the, the situation at all? Like, what was that like? Honestly, the step-parent part of it is fairly easy. Although I will say that it's, it was an, it, it is currently an adjustment to go from living alone for the last <laughs> four years, like all the way alone, me and my dog, to now living not only just with a partner, but also with kids. So it's that's been challenging my some of my structures and my flexibility, but I, I'm kind of, that's another thing I'm grateful for. I'm like grateful for those challenges because it, at my age, I continue to grow. And that's kind of, that's something I love about life is just chances to grow, even if they're kind of feel sticky and not always fun at the time. Yeah, I think they're really good. So, yeah, I like that. I like that. When I when I went on my 
journey of healing and becoming a man finally started at the age of 36 is kind of got a late start a little bit but I, I went through this path where I was like doing so great by myself I'm like well this is like okay I've got it figured out I'm like a master I'm freaking Yoda now yep and then I met Jessica and we hit it off immediately and all the all the stuff but it was long distance and mm -hmm. talking on the phone and we talked on FaceTime every conversation and all that was great mm -hmm. and it's not real 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 and then going to meet each other when we started courting each other and dating and like well this is fun but I'm still not really taking care of anyone yet sure. it wasn't until you get introduced to the kids and then you start doing like normal stuff instead of the exciting dating and yeah. <laughs> like going out and doing all the exciting stuff, meeting each other in different cities and having a good time. Like when you bring kids into it, it can get real quick. And then what I realized was I'm not as healed. <laughs> I'm not as much of a grown up as I thought. And there was more growing to do. Yep. And that was frustrating at first, but then there comes a point that it gets exciting again. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I'm learning something new. Yeah. I want to ask you something like so now getting to know you said two and five two and six two and six yep. what have a two and six year old taught you about yourself that you didn't know hmm the two-year-old who only speaks french at this Ooh. point so i'm learning some french so the two-year-old has taught me that i i can still be like super silly and I can still really get to the two-year-old level which I mean it's been a while since I hung out with toddlers so that has been really cool and the communication too I think like I can communicate even though I don't have all the language to do it mm. like we communicate with facial expressions and funny sounds and like I'll ask him over and over something and he'll repeat it. And then he'll just start laughing at me because I'm being a total, he's like, who is this lady? Why is she talking in these weird languages? I'll speak a little French and then I'm fluent in Spanish. So that'll just like pop in there. And I'm like, wait, that's the wrong language. So <laughs> that's been really fun. Just that, that kind of that stuff. This, the six-year-old has taught me that I still have a lot to learn with regard to patience because she's, she's very, she, I mean, she's obviously more affected by her parents splitting up. Mm -hmm. So there's some emotional stuff there. The two-year-old doesn't even, I don't think, fully realize it's happened. And so there's some, there's some stuff there with like her emotions, her kind of, she's very also, she's very theatrical. Like she loves dress up and her imagination is all over the place. She does like kingdoms and all this stuff. So, but she's also then as a person, she's very dramatic. So like some of the stuff like where in my sensibility, I'm like, she just do this or whatever. I'm thinking these thoughts. She's teaching me just to like kind of let go of if anything that I think how it should be and just kind of observe from her perspective, like what it is in her world and like then how, how do I meet her there rather than thinking she should meet me as the adult. Mm. you know what I mean like so it's I mean yeah I'm learning a ton it's only been a couple of weeks so. yeah no I get that I remember in the first two weeks I learned something that shifted my perspective on a parent's role big time and I don't know if this was like this for you growing up but did you ever have one of those relatives that maybe your mom or grandma or aunt said now oh, go give him a hug 
you know, and you didn't want to, and you're like, oh, I don't want to give him a hug and you're like, go give your uncle a hug or go whoever. Sure. And then, and I, I, I'm used to that. Like I, that's what I grew up hearing. And I remember early on when I met them and I forgot what the situation was exactly. I just remember in, in doing the same thing with mm-hmm. Brinley, the, the oldest that we have. And by the way, I love the whole dress up thing. I'll talk to you about Charlotte <laughs> later um, because they would be two peas in a pod. They're the same age and they'd dress up. They'd probably decorate this whole street. We gave them this stuff together. But I remember one of the things that it was like, you know, go give that person a hug, whoever. And Jessica corrected. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I didn't know about body autonomy or whatever that is. Right. And I had never thought about that before. And then I, and I, and she explained it to me that how that can actually break down someone's personal boundaries mm-hmm. and you're doing it without knowing. And then I started to think back about my own life, about mm-hmm. how I allowed, like, I, I, I don't know if I could have stopped being molested, but there was other times that because I thought by dropping my, you know, my, my ignoring that feeling mm-hmm. that you know, I thought I was doing the right thing, but then looking back at it, like if I would have just honored that feeling, I was noticing something that could have stopped some of this from happening. And I just immediately thought about that. And it kind of messed me up a little bit because I'm like wondering how many kids get pushed in these situations and like the parents aren't even willing or not not willing. Aware. Parents are aware yeah. of, of that. Yeah. How how do we like, and again, I mean, you're, you're going to be the, a stepmom and, and, and you're playing that role in their life now, mm-hmm. a motherly figure and a friend figure. And that's our role as step parents. Cause I'm a step too. Right. And that you get to be those things and it's kind of fun, but like, what kind of, what could parents do, step parents do, or people that are watching after children, like, what do we do about teaching body autonomy or however you say that word? I'm saying it wrong. I'm trying to be fancy, I guess. Uh, um, like, like, how many people are unknowingly doing this? And like, how do we educate the right way without saying, hey, your parenting style sucks. Yeah. This is abusive. This is setting them up for bad things to happen because it's not always the case. But it, it could be. Well, I mean, I mean, I think if really, if we think about like, especially our generation, that's kind of very, like what you described is like, oh, go give so-and-so a hug, right? That's, that's cultural. So that's like Mm -hmm. deeply ingrained across our whole society in a way. So like what's happening now with people being aware of that is like, it's changing a cultural norm, which I think it'll take time. But like, so I think parents nowadays are catching up to that more probably I would say you know hopefully anyway I don't it's that's a hard thing because like even in a partnership it's hard to you know you know like if I'm observing something where I would do it differently yeah I don't know that it's my place to say it mm. because honestly it's I'm not the person primarily raising the child you know and I feel like <clears throat> as a step parent and this is kind of this was my kind of my strategy the first time I was a step parent I feel like I need to know what the what the primary parents, what their plan is, what their thought processes are. And then I have to just kind of surrender some of mine. I might be able to like gently like say, well, what about this? You know, but like I don't feel right doing like 
any real like suggestions about parenting. Hmm. Like to my boyfriend, I don't feel like it's my, it's not, I don't feel like it's my place because it's not my child. So I'm more like uh, an assistant to their process of parenting. That's interesting. You know? I think I jumped in pretty boldly at first. And then I quickly realized how little I knew about parenting. Mm. And I realized how quickly I fell into the trap of trying to parent like my parents did. Mm -hmm. And my mom was amazing, but I didn't really like my dad's style. And I reverted to my dad's style because I'm a guy mm -hmm. and you know that. You pattern after your dad. Yeah, even knowing that I made those mistakes before, you know, mm -hmm. I just wasn't around long enough to realize that I'd made those mistakes. Right. And, but I'm fortunate to have a good partner that coached me through this and taught me how to be a good dad. And, mm -hmm. and I, of course, now I may have gone too far the other direction where now I have a really hard time saying no. So I torture him a little bit first and then like, oh, not like literal torture, but you know, man, I, I try to stick with no, <laughs> and, then they, and then they start negotiating. I'm like, is it really worth fighting about this? Right. <laughs> and so now I'm like, wait a second, how did you get over here where now they think I'm the easy one? <laughs> like, how did that happen? I'm trying to be easy, I'm the disciplinarian. But anyway, I at the same time is I've I've really am grateful that I'm learning these things mm -hmm. because I'm noticing that it's showing up in other areas of my life that like it, it, because I can now know how to work with kids it's like I'm now learning how to work with adults too sure. and becoming a little bit more understanding and not so rigid yeah. and like wow kids really are amazing yeah. like I'm, I'm I'm grateful for that it almost makes me want to have another child I don't know if I need one at my age but I mean like right. like I'm enjoying mm -hmm. it for the first time so yeah. do you have children of your own I do not so do you is is getting to work with kids in the way that you do is that is that like i don't know what it's like for a mother or mm -hmm. or or for a woman mm -hmm. because i always hear of parental motherly instincts and that's just kind of part of being a woman i mm -hmm. again i don't know sure. i've dressed up like a woman before but it still doesn't make me <laughs> not, like no, not the same at all not the same and my legs don't look near as good anyway to talk myself out of knowing what I was going to say. No, dad gummit, I hate when I do that. Like just trying to be funny and then I lose where I'm at. No, about like getting to work with kids. Uh -huh. Does it, does that feed the desire to be a mother or does it help go, you know, I don't need to be a mom because I got all these kids. So there, that's a, a, a kind of a long answer, but I can. We have all can, the time you I want. I think you can summarize a little bit. So I did want kids of my own, and when I was a step parent, my ex husband kind of we were gonna kind of go that route, and then very soon into the relationship, he expressed that he did not anymore because his his son was growing. His son was like ten at that time, and he didn't want to kind of start over. I guess. So I kind of I was already working with kids in a lot of different ways at the time. And because, you know, I had effort in my life, my, as my stepson, I, I kind of told myself, okay, then this will be okay. Mm -hmm. This will be enough. And as time passed, I realized it wasn't, and I regretted that decision. So <clears throat> that was something that was part of the eventual breakdown of our partnership, I think, yeah. because there was always a piece of me that was a little resentful at making that sacrifice not that i blamed him but i was also just like i was like that's not truly what i wanted you know but so working with kids definitely has softened 
the blow of making that choice not to have kids because I can't have kids anymore. But, and then now of course being around a, a little two-year-old and a six-year-old is, it's allowing me to kind of re, re-encounter those feelings, which I had kind of locked away a little bit, I think, because they were painful. Yeah. So yeah, it's allowing me to kind of, to, to, to go there again, to be like, okay, can I attach my, I mean, I'm becoming attached very quickly to these kids and like, that's scary. But yeah, it's helpful too. It is, there is a healing component there. So yeah, yeah. I, I remember. So empathy is something that I've always struggled with. And, and there's a story there and all that. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter now, but it is, it, it, it is a legitimate struggle. I can watch people cry and just not know what to do mm-hmm. now. But I remember early on, it was about I'd say six months into me living in Minnesota. So I was around the the kids a lot. And I remember the first time they broke my heart Mm. and I was like, Oh, I'm so done now. I, I like, if I, they were, if they had the capability to break my heart and like, cause you can't have your heart broken unless if you love someone. Mm -hmm. Oh man. I was like, yep, I'm toast. Like they're, they're going to absolutely rule me now. But it was also like one of the most amazing feelings of my life to 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 know that I actually love someone enough that much to to have my heart broken. That's not a normal thing for me, or it wasn't. Now it's like I don't know. I mean, I feel like a hippie sometimes, or just this lover. Like I just want to love, and I just and I want to give love, and I want to you know. I and actually now, and I want to receive love. Mm-hmm. Not in a narcissistic way, but right. it feels good to be loved. Right. And, yeah, and when I you put that armor down. Yeah. That's like a really hard thing to do when you're used to the armor. I mean, for me, you know, but yeah. then that I've gone through that. But then if you can like really just like open to the vulnerability of, of what you're talking about, then it it has it somehow like something happens, <clears throat> you know, like and then suddenly you're like, oh, I don't want all that armor. It's kind of heavy. It's kind of heavy to run around and actually. It will. And, and I, yeah, I mean, again, like this, the protective armor, I'm not going to get hurt. I'm going to, I'm going to dominate and I'm going to conquer and I'm, I'm just going to fly through life or I'm going to, like any, whatever that attitude that I would generate that I had. And I just kept it like, nothing's going to hurt me. I'm not going to anyone hurt me again. And, and that all it really did was make me a target to get hurt. Right. And the the scary, the weird thing was that the more I decided to open myself up to love and to be loved and to drop my armor, that fear almost seemed irrational. Because yeah, it's inevitable someone will hurt you. Right. But love is such a stronger emotion and a feeling and a, and a vibe energetically whatever it may be I don't know all the psychology behind it but I don't really get hurt as much mm-hmm. and even the people that that do things <laughs> I was fearful that would hurt me there's something about loving someone anyway and it gives you this opportunity to have compassion and to understand to go you know this is really not even about me yeah, they're calling me all the, these dirty, awful names and they're lashing out at me, but that really has nothing to do with me. 
And only, I think only from a place of love can yeah. you understand that. And of course, I didn't know that at the time. And it's taken me a long time to even get to that place. Oh, yeah. But it's kind of nice. And it's like, it's worth loving. And, yeah. and the other thing I've learned too, is that I don't really know any absolute truths. Mm -hmm. It's funny. So <laughs> the microphone here, and I'm not going to go have into a religious conversation with you. But I mean, like it's sitting on this study Bible and it's just a random Bible that I have and a bunch of Bibles and other books. And I'm sitting it on here. And, but I look at this book and, 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 and I think of some of the, the, the conflicts and the wars and the battles and the hate and the discrimination and the judgment that has come from this book and, mm -hmm. and the, in the, the things that people say because of what they read in this book. And then sometimes they contradict each other and it causes a clash. There's a lot of, a lot of this and a lot of people stand on a lot of opinions as if they're factual right. sometimes and they're willing to die for it. And I used to be one of those people, mm -hmm. even in trying to do good mm -hmm. because I'm a principled person and I'm gonna take a stand and I'm gonna stand for what's right. <laughs> and, you know, it's been, it's kind of a humbling experience to, to realize that you don't really, I don't, or oh, let me personalize that I don't really know as much as I think I do. Yeah. I'm really smart and I know a lot of stuff, but the truth is how much of that stuff do I know is true? And am I really willing to alienate a friendship, a, uh, even a family member? Mm -hmm. Even somebody I don't know mm -hmm. with the things that I say, because because the things I can say can keep me mm -hmm. from getting to know someone because yeah. they think because of that statement, this is how I am across the board. Right. And that's been really humbling to experience the last few years mm -hmm. because I, in the last three years, I took advantage of the time during COVID and the downtime to build and create and do these and in, in, in prepare for the future, which mm -hmm. was a great feeling, but it also gave me time to shoot my mouth off mm -hmm. a lot and to take a lot of stands mm -hmm. that looking back at now, even though I still would like, I still absolutely believe some of that. Yeah. I realized that saying some of it could be grossly and sensitive to others. And it's, that's been a really humbling thing. Mm -hmm. I asked you this question before, mm -hmm. But I, I know that you, it's funny with sometimes you get a question one day and you get the same question next, you get a different answer. So for the sake of that, mm -hmm. or the chance of that, mm -hmm. what was, what would you say that one of the most humbling learning experiences that you had during the last three years? Because I think we've all had them just in a different way. That would be related to my health. So I, you know, I have stage four cancer living with stage four cancer, I guess, so ongoing treatments. And I would say three years ago, I was 98 pounds crawling on the floor because it was too painful to walk, suffering incontinence and beginning rounds of chemo. And so that going through that was definitely the most humbling time of my life because I, I, prior to this, I mean, I, I was, I was a mountain biker. I've always been super healthy and super strong and all this stuff. So going through that experience, it strips you down to the very, <clears throat> like literally like here's death, here's life. I'm right in the middle, <laughs> you know, and just, you know, acknowledging the, that very essential part of our existence. 
you know, and it was very valuable because now the way I interact with life, I think is different, but yeah, very sure. Asking for help, Mm. depending on other people, knowing or acknowledging that I just, I had, I, there were things I couldn't do anymore. There were things that had changed forever, you know, yeah. That's really beautiful. And I, you know, we, we talked last time again about the stage four cancer and you're living with it and mm-hmm. you, and you're still going and you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're active in your healing and you're also active in other people's healing. And one of those is what you do at the arts guild with, you know, running, well, you run the arts guild, but you're working with the kids and you're helping empower them with their creativity and their art form. And, and that's healing. There's yeah. art is therapy. For sure. And I, there's probably no wonder, and I, I don't just made this brain connection, but I have no evidence to back this up, but I believe with all my heart that creators and artists are building the new world. Sure. And in, in, in by doing that, they're healing and they're healing they're, through their healing process, through their art, mm-hmm. they're building this world, but it's, they're building a healed world through it because yeah. they're using their story and their truth because there's a lot of truth in art. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can paint a picture and you're, that picture is telling a story. Right. Even if it's just a smiley face with two dots. I mean, there's a story there. It's probably a little bit harder to figure out with that, you know, with a little detail, but it is for some people. And that healing expression is like, for me, art. I got in trouble. It's a funny story. Kind of a funny story. I went to rehab for the first time or the second time we rehab in Taos, New Mexico. And we had art therapy mm-hmm. and it was awesome. Like, I was like, this is the, this is so healing. I didn't even know. Yeah. Like, I really love this. So one day it just snowed like crazy. And then all of a sudden there was like these gigantic icicles that were like 13 feet long. And we just, or inches long, just massive <laughs> icicles. I mean, they were like this and all over the the place where this rehab was and so part of an art therapy project i I found all the paints the latex paints and i was like let's go paint icicles and i literally got everyone there and there was this beautiful stream that ran through where all the dorms and meeting rooms were and so we went out painted all of the icicles and it was beautiful and it lined up and like i mean i got like 10 people enrolled in doing this right but the one thing I didn't account for was that eventually the snow melts. Right. So <laughs> I got in trouble. And then I, but my debate was, well, this wasn't in the rule book. You didn't say I couldn't do this. So I kid you not, they put it in the rule book. <laughs> you cannot paint icicles. You cannot paint icicles specifically because I'm one of those, I was always one of those rule breakers. They didn't actually break the rules. I bent them a lot mm-hmm. uncomfortably and stepped on the toes a lot. But I never actually went, I mean, I did eventually go over the line some, but most of the time I'm dancing on it. Right. So, and I was dancing that day on it and then they changed the rules. But nonetheless, the one thing I took away was that was stress relief. Mm -hmm. That was, I mean, it was, there was a message in that. And I don't remember what that message was, but at the time I was inspired to do that. Mm -hmm. And even in getting in trouble, it felt good to express myself. And I didn't know this till later, but then my real art form was wanting to, to speak and from the heart and deliver messages in that way, mm-hmm. healing messages in that way. 
And, and, and that became therapy. And so that for me, like doing my talk show and just airing stuff out as if I was talking to a therapist, this became, I would talk into this screen, sharing my heart for the first 400 episodes I ever did by myself. Right. And, and it, be, it was truly the most healing process ever. But I, so I've noticed that, and that's where I started to go, wow, art can be all of these different forms. It's just an expression yeah. of what you love. It's an expression of a vision that you have, that you've put your heart into. And, in, and, and that could be a broken heart. It could be a happy heart, mm-hmm. a joyful heart, whatever it may be. Sure. What is your favorite type of art mm. to express and why? For myself? Yeah. Oof. Um, I don't have- And you do a lot of art. You do a lot of kind, different kinds, I do. right? Yeah, I mean, I, I love to paint. So I, I always was, I drew mostly and I did a lot of colored pencil in my past. I really love color. And then I discovered gouache, which is sort of like a cross between like a watercolor, but it has the opaqueness of, it can have the opaqueness of like an acrylic paint. So it's very versatile, great with color, stuff like that. So I've got really gotten really into that and I love using that. And I, it varies, but a lot, my art, it has like, there's a lot of like kind of magical stuff that it's, that is a vehicle that I can express some of Mm -hmm. that. So that there's that. So whether it's spirituality or just like, you know, like I have this whole series of plant kind of people images, and that just is kind of like honoring the spirits of nature that I believe in and stuff like that. So I love that. I love the creation of something visual. I think my stuff tends to be a combination of reality that I think is amazing. And then like the underlying currents of magic that fill the reality. So that's kind of fun for me, right? Because how do you, like, I can say those words, but like showing it in some way allows maybe people to go a little bit into that with their own self. And I love poetry. So I do love words and like playing with language and rhythm and sound with words that kind of has gone in and out throughout my life also. So those are probably my two favorite vehicles of artistic expression. I like that. It's very cool. I, I, I got into poetry when I was young and I didn't stick with it, but that was like tried, you know, got into writing that a little bit and and I enjoyed it. And I, and I enjoy hearing other people's poetry. Mm-hmm. I just, that mine is, I realized that I like to like write more long form and mm-hmm. interlooping stories. And I write like a dyslexic basically, but I enjoy it. I, I like telling a story and then moving on, <laughs> moving on and then circling back to that and then getting back to that. And I don't do it on purpose. I, I mean, I did, I just, that was my natural way of communicating. And then I realized that I, I like to write that way too. And I enjoy telling stories in that fashion, but it, it's just fun. And then from an art standpoint, so I, I take a lot of pride in the cover art that I create for broadcast. Okay. And especially early on when I wasn't broadcasting for another company and just doing my yeah. own stuff, I used to hide that I, with my individual broadcasts still do this, but I can hide stuff in the images. Okay. Just like maybe one day someone so, will see it, yeah. but there is a consistent connecting theme with all of it and only I think an artist would do something like that and like 
people may see it one day they may pick up on it may not but like i've always loved doing that and i don't even know where that came from i used to like i've heard rumors that there's things hiding inside the mona lisa okay and like I, that just was neat and i'm like well i'm not a real painter but with digital art yeah. i'm gonna hide little messages and make something like your own you like kind of it's like a, another way of putting your signature on it yeah, I was, yeah when you were saying that i was thinking of like like alfred hitchcock films how yes he, he would put himself in there sometimes very briefly somewhere in the movie you know mm-hmm. like I just stuff like that yeah i think that's really cool and i think people then when they do know that or they when the, once they notice that an artist is doing something like that then they'll start really looking for it and you know that's cool yeah i haven't i haven't i guess i just announced this i mean the only <laughs> other person that knows is jessica okay and she used now. to have a lot of fun finding it. yeah 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 it's it's a joy now so we talked about northfield and one of the things that we're getting ready to do in september mm-hmm. is do a youth media course we're going to be teaching to the community yeah. and i'm really excited about that like i'm i'm honored that you're letting us to do this and like it's kind of opened the door now we're getting to do it some other places but it's really exciting and I, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the course or anything because the work that you do at the Arts Guild is really it's well-rounded mm-hmm. and and it's and it's diverse and it's not like you do a lot more than I originally thought and so where like from you mm-hmm. Like you're like a creative director, right? I mean, I'm the education and engagement manager. Okay, education engagement, but you still have to come up with different things for the 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 students to to learn. And you guys are you branched off in a lot of different areas. Right. What do you think? Like, what what would be a goal of the arts guild that you all have as a group that you haven't been able to do yet, but you're interested in? I think besides media course, (laughs) I think, I think a big, so the guild has been around for a long time, 65 years. This year will be 65 years. And so in that being around for a long time, there's a lot of tradition and that's fantastic because it creates a really nice foundation for the ongoing, you know, just happenings there. What that also means is that like currently a lot of the, populations of people that are part of the guild are kind of they're slowly aging out you know and so I think a big a big impetus now with the guild's culture is understanding that we as an organization need to like continue to develop our relevance to different populations so relevance ethnically relevance age-wise um, like in all ways, like just kind of um, make sure that we're being inclusive beyond the boundaries of what has been already assumed or, you know, like, oh, we're, we're meeting these goals and, it, you know, we, we have new goals. So, and part of that is just to, to make sure that we're meeting people with the things that they want to be engaged in, yeah. bringing new opportunities, stuff like that. That's cool. Yeah. I, I I can appreciate that. I noticed I was in church yesterday and I, I go, I mean, even though I don't really align with any faith at this point, I still mm-hmm. like to go and go with the kids love it. And I like being around people and, mm-hmm. but they, that was, that was the whole message yesterday was 
you know, adjusting and including and evolving mm -hmm. the mission. And then from that ridge, I, my brain, my caveman brain was fighting me going, ah, you're, uh, what are you doing? And then like, in other words, this is how it's always been. And, right. like, and then I'm like, wait a second, that's the most hypocritical thing I've ever said to myself. <laughs> like, why am I doing this? Right. And it, it, it is, it's weird, but there is a, I mean, you can notice it. Corporations are doing it and, and it's, and it's, Ca causing quite the stir. Mm -hmm. Now, I know a lot of business leaders, they sign this, uh, never, oh, I'm going to go down a path, I'm not going to open that. <laughs> never mind, going to stop right there. Anyway, whew, I'm not going to edit that out, but I'm going to stop. And if you want to know, you can ask me, but I won't go into that. But I do want to ask you this. Like, I'm all for creating the space for people to be themselves mm -hmm. authentically, I want to create the space where people people feel safe to tell the truth mm -hmm. because I don't believe you can heal anything without truth. That is include knowing the truth and then being the truth and speaking the truth. And look, you may find out that what you're saying is not true. Been there. You're like, you know, I didn't mean to do that. But the intention of I'm telling the truth, not being shady and lying. Yeah. But there's this weird thing that I battle with and I'm part of the LGBT community because mm -hmm. I'm one of them. But the other thing I don't really like is when there is a well-funded movement because there's something behind it. And then my brain goes, is this an agenda or is this really right? Yeah. How, let me ask you something. Cause I don't know everything we've established this and I'm learning that I, every things that I think I know or may not actually be true either, mm -hmm. but that has bothered me. How is it? How do you know the difference are when you are, you, when you're giving in to pressure versus we are doing this authentically because when you're being pushed and forced, there's a herd mentality that will follow what others do because they are not leaders. They're not rebels. Right. I'm a rebel. Right. I'm counterculture in every way I can be, right. or I try to be not, not it, it's just instinctive. Like if I see a bunch of people doing one thing, I start to go, I probably don't want to do that. Right. And I've done that my whole life. Right. And but, and I don't know, I don't necessarily believe that's right. But at the same time, I've also seen evidence to go, they're being led down a path that they may never come back from. And that may not be the right one because they know how marketing works and I know how the media works. Right. Why well, I'm in media to do the opposite. Right. That said, some of these well-funded movements have really good intentions, yeah. but how do you know? And what are you to do as a human being that just really wants the best for everyone, mm -hmm. but also doesn't want to align with any group to say, this is how it is. Because these boxes that everyone's been put in, when you join that box, you are saying, this is how I believe. This is what I, and it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. How do you make that decision from your, like with what you do, mm -hmm. the people that you serve, and, and just being a human being, like, how do you figure out all of that mess? Well, I guess personally, I'm a Pisces and this is, you know, whether you believe in astrology or not, one of the uh, qualities of Pisces is the ability to see things from multiple angles. Mm. So I, whether or not that's myself as a person or related to astrology, I don't know, but I do bear that quality. And so my whole life I've been like, you know, there'll be some kind of issue on the table or a perspective or an opinion. And I can see why it's valid. And I can also see why there's a counter opinion and why that has validity too. 
So there's there except apart from a few very I think serious things, I I don't tend to personally take strong stands on all these kinds of you know I don't put myself in a box. Even if I'm surrounded by a lot of people who are in that box, yeah. I mean I'll listen and I'm cool with like hanging out with it, but I'm I don't tend to like join those kinds of clubs. I guess I'll put it that way. When it comes to stuff at the guild or in my art, I try, you know, I mean, I think as a, as an organization, we can kind of, we can kind of generalize a little bit more and not also like we steer clear, like anything political yet. We also invite, you know, like, like we, we've done tons of collaborations with one of our local drag queens, for instance, who didn't, um, Mrs. Moxie, who, who does like tons of cool performances, but that's regard that's like so that's supporting um, the lgbtq community but it's not like taking a stand like like there's no flat we don't put up flags things like yeah. this kind of thing but we're supporting an artist yeah so as an arts organization that's the whole goal is supporting artists now would we support somebody who had something hateful or anything like that no we would just say sorry we can't have your yeah, artwork yeah, yeah here or whatever it is so we do have that ability to decide yeah yeah i yeah mm. and that you I that, that answered your no question actually it, it does because i've i've been able to interview people on both sides of the spectrum on drag queen story out for instance okay and i'm front i used to go well actually i would still go if i was the one down the street but i love drag shows mm -hmm. i had so much fun like right. i when i would lived in south florida we would go when we go to South Beach and, you know, club space, the drag queen singing is like, that's why you go because it's right. epic. I mean, it's right. just like, it's a big show and it's fun and it's entertaining. And, and really most of the drag queens I've gotten to know are the most, I mean, normal people ever. It, and yet you, when the way the media does things, mm -hmm. it makes it look like they're all pedophiles and they're doing bad things. And that's just not, yeah, there's, some of that stuff gets risque, but here's the thing too. I also see casting reports every day or casting calls. Mm -hmm. So I know what's they cast for rioters, but that's not the words they use, but that's what sure. they're doing. They cast for people to do these fake videos that you see on Twitter and other things floating mm -hmm. around of people fighting. Okay. Like they stage this stuff. Sure. Like these are media productions. There's IMDB credits for it. I think, so it's like, you have to ask yourself, is this really real or is this a production? Is this people are people doing this for attention? Kitty Demure, Billy the drag artist is the actual name, but he has a couple of characters that are relatively famous. Okay. And Kitty Demure is famous for speaking out against drag queen story hour while okay. he's in drag. There's his okay. character, he's got Hagatha. Hagatha's a trip. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway. But the point is that they're getting, everyone's getting lumped into right. this box of everyone's evil. And it's just not the case. And it's right. meant to cause division. And there's some agenda pushing all of this stuff to get us fighting with each other. Right. Because ultimately what it comes down to is this. If you didn't know, let's just pretend I'm a drag queen and I'm doing drag queen story hour and I'm letting it all hang out. Right. I go to that show, that's what you see, mm -hmm. but then you don't see anything else. Right. And so you don't really know anything about me, but you've known what the camera's shown. Mm -hmm. 
And so now you have this judgment towards me and it's going to fight. So there's no ability to have a conversation to understand why, why do you dress it? Like where did, what motivated you to want to do that? When you actually take the time to sit down and have those conversations and you learn, it's not as weird and perverted as it's made out to be right. ever. It's really not. I mean, look, there are always a case, extreme cases, but it's sure. not the same thing with like, I don't know how I really feel about like people transitioning under age. I don't really, I, it makes me very uncomfortable. Me At the same time, I know trans people that are freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not gonna be lashing out at them or going after them or like, what, why would I? And it's so, it, but there is this, it's a bad, it's so weak, but then you see the bad stuff that goes out and then you want to do something about it. But then at the same time, if you take a stand and speak out against that, then you're alienating the 95% that are actually amazing humans. Right. How do we go about this in support and love each other? But at the same time, like we gotta, we gotta fight against injustice, mm-hmm. but we also got to fight against labeling people and putting these mass labels on them and sure. all of you are in this category where is the balance of this i mean community right like if we're wow. if we're in community then we are i mean i hate to say we're watchdogs of one another but we kind of are like if we're if we're connected to each other then like it's not it doesn't rumors can be squashed more easily mm-hmm. if you know if they're not true and things that are truly like happening things that are happening that might be not great can be also addressed you know like yeah i (laughs) i don't know yeah i think community is the way to go i just was reminded of when i was in berkeley in the 90s there i was part of the critical resistance which is like an anti-prison movement like i was just like learning a lot about like what would what would the world be like without prisons i was like going to a bunch of conferences and stuff like that and or what would the u.s be like about prisons and like Mm -hmm. one story was about you know like if somebody in the community like stole a TV, for instance, like the community, rather than sending that person off, shipping them off to prison, the community would get with that person and just like remind them, you know, like we care about, this is like making me tear up. We care about you. You know, we, we value you as part of our community. This, you know, you, when you did this, it hurt this person. This is why, you know, and just like, instead of, constantly like alienating folks instead it's like okay we see that you have this this challenge or this problem or this thing happening we're going to try to help you with it you know and that that community it's like they catch you when you fall you know there's like I think an African community who like when a child is born there's a song that that child has right it's their song and the villagers all learn it eventually and if that person in their life makes a misstep of some sort, commits a crime, whatever, the, the whole village will gather and sing, this is gonna make me cry, sing them their song. And it's like to remind them of who they truly are. Wow, God. Right? <laughs> who doesn't need that in their life? I want it right now. I'm, I'm about to sing. I'm gonna start singing you a song. Just I'm gonna make one up. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like, those, those kinds of things, like, I think that just, 
the power of community because when you're held in community, like you can make mistakes, you're not shunned, you don't go through that shame cycle. Like it's it doesn't like perpetuate more shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry if I you can swear. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know. Wow. You know, I'm glad we did this again. <laughs> too it's like totally different i know i i this is the conversation i always i think i tend to want to have these conversations and this is because i brought this up a little bit a second ago i've been just kind of grazed over it but you know broadcasting on when i'm broadcasting for someone else Mm -hmm. i'm playing by their rules you know Mm -hmm. kind of like if i put something on youtube i get to adhere to their rules Mm -hmm. Like you, people can complain about freedom of speech all they want, but if I own the platform, then I get to say what you can say and can't say. Right. And I, and I haven't been kicked off of all the platforms. Like I had to, you know, I was mad at first, but I'm like, well, actually they have the right. So I mean, it's a private company. They can kick me off. Right. I don't like why they kick me off, but it doesn't matter. It's their rules. Sure. It's why I self-host. But there's something to say for an artist, and I, I've been really convicted of this the last few days because I, I love what I get to do with our movie company. I mm-hmm. love it. It's not mine, though. You know, right. it's not mine. I have my role. I get to have my stuff that I get to do, mm-hmm. and I love helping other people create, and I love my role there. It's beautiful, mm-hmm. but I am still an artist. Right. I'm still a creator. And I still want to create the way I feel led without anyone telling me right. what I want to do. Right. And, and I, and it's really, I had this reminder over the weekend about that. And again, it's not like anything bad has happened. It's mm-hmm. just that I realized as an artist, how important it is to have that freedom to create and express ourselves because commission art's great. That's what pays the bills. But there's also a way to pay, get paid for being yourself and and betting on yourself and creating your own art. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I'm really excited about getting to do with you and the Arts Guild is to teach the foundational pieces at first Mm -hmm. to media company in a box. And because if you don't have the foundational pieces, none of the other stuff will work. And really the foundational, this first course that we're doing Mm -hmm. is really just giving the the foundation of knowledge. And it's also going to say, help people go, is this really for me? Is this what I want to do? Because it's not for everyone. It's a lot of work, but it's also an amazing, (laughs) it's an amazing opportunity too. But I, I, it, that that realization really reignited my spark of independence mm-hmm. and and it's really refueled my desire and i always love to teach but to really take it to a different level so i'm i'm really honored that you're giving us the opportunity to come teach media to the kids because i know it's important but to give people the freedom to express themselves the way that they feel led is just something that, and be able to earn a living off of that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, the therapeutic benefits and all the other stuff, like it, my fire just got relit over the weekend. And I'm really, really looking forward to, I guess we start in a couple of weeks. So yeah. it's like super pumped and I'm super grateful for you. You've helped make Northfield. And we, I think we spent the last interview talking about how much I love Northfield. Mm-hmm but you help make this feel like home. And I want to thank you for that. And thank you for giving us the opportunity. For sure. I mean, when you came with the idea, 
you know, as a, as having been a teacher in the past myself, seeing how the youth interact with media and seeing just how it's media is growing so much as just this accessible resource and area of involvement for, for so many people, especially young people, like your course, I was like, good. There's like also this person teaching or these people teaching media literacy, like how to navigate what's out there, how to not make these huge mistakes with your, yourself and your personal property by putting stuff out on the internet that you shouldn't or that you should be more thoughtful about or you know or creating a brand so that you can be like kind of particular about what what types of things you want to associate with your name and your face you know stuff like that so I, I just thought you know this is this is fantastic it's so timely it's like so valuable yeah so I think it's I think it's great for the young people around here I mean for anybody but you know I, I particularly uh, the young folks who are so embroiled in you know, social media and yeah. Wasting a lot of time that they could go from, cause there's <clears throat> mindless scrolling and intently using. Exactly. So that's the choice that we have. And, you know, we've, we have the freedom of choice. Like for people that talk about all the freedoms that have been taken away whatever, we still have the freedom of choice. Mm -hmm. We get to choose what we feel right to do. We can either listen to other people and maybe that's the right thing, but we have the right to choose right and so we have all this easy access to whatever type of stimulation we want right we get to choose is this healthy or not is yeah. this is am i using x which you know used to be twitter am i using this just to be a jackass right am i using this to be funny and cute or am i using it intently or am i, am I using it for all of it right. like whatever but the cool thing about it is you get to make that decision like when you know media, you can choose. And if you choose to be an a-hole <laughs> and, and that's what you want your brand to be, well, let's double down on it because I'm going to teach you how to do it. <laughs> but but you also have an opportunity to use it for good. Yeah. And that's what I, my, my heart for this is the therapeutic benefits of it, cool. but then also the opportunity for people that may not have normal opportunities because not everyone wants to go to college. Right. Not everyone can afford to go to college. Mm -hmm. Not everybody wants to be in a lot of debt. Or there's a lot of people with degrees that maybe that degree no longer benefits them. This, I, I will tell you that what we were teaching in this course, and I'm not like scratching my back here because this is really for anybody. Mm -hmm. But if you know these media skills, you can utilize your gifts, your talents, yeah. all of your intellectual property and use it in a way that provides for you and your family or the people you love or, or to help you get on your way to accomplishing mm -hmm. your goals. Yeah. That's the thing about it. You have to have media and, and it's, and, and here's the, the best part about it because there's so many different moving parts and there's so many different things to learn. But the good news is once you've learned one thing, well, mm -hmm. it carries over into all the other areas because the process yeah. pretty much is the same. But what you want to know is what mistakes to avoid. You don't always need to spend money. Sometimes you should, sometimes you don't have to. There's a lot of weird areas to navigate because new media has, is the wild west. There is no rule book and there's no playbook. In fact, the reason why this course is really customized to the individual mm -hmm. is because it's going to be different for everyone. Right. And that's part of the fun right. because it's really about you. I believe each and every one of us were created to do something very specific. 
Like mm -hmm. we have, we were given these gifts. We were given these talents. We didn't ask for them. We were right. born with them. Mm -hmm. the intellectual property, of course, mm -hmm. is our life experience. Yeah. But I believe we were created to create right. and we're all artists. And, yeah. and, but somewhere along the lines, it was told that we need to go do things a certain way and, you know, go, go to school, go to college, you know, have get married right out of college, have 2.5 babies and blah, 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 blah. Right. And then I think look how many people are divorced and look at this, look at that. And like, I'm one of those people, but I have found freedom. I have found peace and I have found love through art. And so now I want the whole world to have it. And I thank you for helping us get started on that. Okay. Yeah. Well, Jenny, do you have any mm -hmm. last words for everybody? I guess just authenticity <laughs> and I think is the way to go. Yeah. And just being creative, taking risks. It's also high in my book of advice. <laughs> do, you any, do you have anything personal you want to promote or the art school? Well, we will have <clears throat> lots of new fall classes, including yours coming up really soon. Most of them start in September. So check the website and Northville arts field. Northfieldartskill.org. Okay. Yep. And my boyfriend, Cedric Briand, has a project, a music project called Greenvale Manitou. Mm. And they will be, he'll be performing with that project, which is kind of like different musicians kind of coming in and out. It's not genre specific. Very, a very eclectic assortment of music. Very cool. That's August 19th at the Guild uh, Theater. Cool. And tickets are only 20 bucks. So I highly encourage folks to go to that. Which theater? The one that's down the street here or the one downtown? Third down? street. Third okay. Street. So yeah. Okay, yeah, it's cool. Close, it's closer to here than down. It's not our downtown building. It's There's a separate theater. Yeah. So you can buy your tickets online or at the door. It's a cool little theater. It seats like 120 people, something like that. So it's small. Yeah. But it's oh, very nice. Nice. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. I was walking by. I, I love that walk. I, the walk into town is like one of my favorite walks ever. Just the, it's just this area is so beautiful anyway. And all the houses and the way everyone has their houses landscape naturally. It's just, it's just neat. But I walk by often and I see people outside practicing and rehearsing. Yeah. And yeah, it's just yeah. neat to have this little beautiful, you know, facility like right here in the middle of our neighborhood, basically. So Anyway, it's really cool. Y'all check out the Arts Guild. Jenny, thank you so much for your time. For sure. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll see you all next time. Thank you.